Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Okay, wow. So we're here. Welcome to episode one of the Relentless Diaries. I'm your host, Zoe. Oh, we're going to cheers in case you hear that. Um, I'm your host, Zoe, and I'm here with one of my best friends, M. Christelle, a.k.a. MC, a.k.a. Marie Zolkirishaka. Yeah. Can I say your full name? Yeah, literally <laughs> perfect. That's my whole guy. Are we going to edit that out or? <laughs> I think it doesn't matter. Let's um, just take that part out. <laughs> said first name middle name and last name what what no anyways um yeah we'll take that part out but no i'm excited to be here um first podcast episode one i think everyone's been encouraging me to use my voice further than twitter if you follow me on twitter um you know i'm an active tweeter plug it in word plug my put my ad in at ZX Shania with two A's. So ZX S H A N I A A. Um, yeah, so you follow me on Twitter. I'm pretty vocal. I have a lot of opinions and um, kind of through current circumstances, I've been super vocal about the Black Lives Matter movement. And I think that's what kind of, I, like I said, I've always, been a vocal, oh, I've always been a vocal person. And I think people just said, yo, we need to hear your voice through another channel. Like start a podcast, start a blog, start a YouTube. Um, yeah. YouTube's not my thing. I don't really want to. I'm not the person to talk to a camera. Um, I also don't like to wear makeup recently, <laughs> so we're gonna stick to podcasts. And I think this will be cool to start, and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So yeah, want to talk about yourself? Yeah. Well, I'm honored to be here. I'm happy to be the first guest. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, my name is Marie, or MC to my friends. Uh, me and Zor are just friends. I don't even know how we met each just other. Just friends. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? It's also one of my best friends, but I mean like. You know how you're like, we didn't go to high school together. We didn't meet in college. Like, I don't know, but we're just homies, you know? We met through Cam. Right. We met through another friend, but like, we've gone on trips together. I met your whole family Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Um, I don't know. I've always been vocal as well. And I think it's important to have these conversations. And I realized recently, like me, you and our friend group always have these combos like Mm -hmm. all the time. And we wish we record them. I know. And we never do. We're like, we need a reality show where someone just record our voices because we say the most wild shit. But the realest shit. I know. Hopefully this time will be less wild because like, 
people we are have listening. Jobs. And we have jobs and like, people jobs. might know who we are. So Yeah, but I'm honored to be here. Uh, and obviously we're talking about a topic that is just always prevalent, but like especially right now. Um, so I mean not to get too heavy already, but no, get heavy. Let's get in. What are we here for? We're black and we're talking about being black and being black in the North American context specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, dealing with being othered in daily instances at work. Um, and then obviously it's even worse with police or any figure of authority. So um, that's what we're here to talk about. And I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So not to just dive into things, but yeah, like you said, I feel like the last few weeks have been heavy. And we've been talking so much about everything under the sun. Um, It's super personal for me only because if you know me, I have so many little cousins. Most of them are male. Yep. So the fight that I'm fighting, I really think is for them. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy to me that we went to school and we were taught, you know, slavery's over. It was abolished and we came so far, you know, we can be in the same classrooms. We can drink from the same fountains. And <laughs> that you know used to I, actually be illegal. No, exactly. That's what I mean. So it's like they teach us in school, you know, like Black History Month, all these great things and how far we've come. And then I'm sitting here at 23 years old and it's like, I don't think nothing has changed like at all. It's just changed in a different aspect. You know what I mean? Like we're, yeah, we're not slaves, but we're slaves to the system. So Amen. that's the biggest problem. And I was saying the other day, um, I'm like looking at the pictures on like complex on Instagram of like the protests and people pouring milk in their eyes and there's kids and they're like soaking them with like water and baking soda. I'm like, these pictures look like they were taken in 1940 or, you know, 19, whatever slavery was happening. 1940. No, slavery was way before 1800. I should know the date 1850, right? Because there's that song. Okay. None is, I don't mean like pictures of slavery. I mean pictures of like the protests and people fighting. Like that's what I mean, referencing. Give, so give like. context to how not long ago that is. That's 150 years ago. That's right. two 75 year old women back yeah. to back. Yeah. Are, oh. That's not that many generations. Exactly. So, you know, I, I think that's a good point. Yeah. So, yeah, my point is, yeah, I'm seeing pictures that are taken in 2020 that look very similar to the pictures, yeah, that Clyde was saying um, that were taken like. 150 years ago like i said it wasn't that long ago and it's hitting close to home so i think we have to push man like that's the only thing we have to push we have to push for our future generation our kids even though we don't have any yet if we do have them that's what we're fighting for and i think it's big now so one thing i really want to talk about first is um like i said if you follow me on twitter i'm very vocal the family meeting Ooh. That was hosted yesterday. So I couldn't get in. That club was exclusive as hell. Was I was like, that? I know somebody in there. Let me in. Damn, I know the we got promoter. a bottle. I know the DJ. My name is on guest list. Hello. I was like, what the hell? Is it my outfit? Like, damn. It's not because I'm black. Honestly. Like, <laughs> so to from my point of view, like my whole perspective on the day was I got a text message from Sherry and Sherry was one of the organizers of the family meeting. So she texted me in the morning and she was like, hey, if you're free tonight, um, we're having a family meeting. And in my head, I was like, okay, family meeting. And she sent me the flyer and it was, you know, like family meeting, um, you know, come talk. Right. Like, like, let's make amends, you know, all that stuff. 8 p.m. Zoom. So I was like, okay, this, this is cool. And she was like, yeah, it's open forum. And I was like, hmm, open. For context, this is for like the Toronto black yeah. community. That's like Toronto Twitter in itself is like a little world of its own. I think I saw a tweet that said it's like a cult. Like uh, I wouldn't say cult. I wouldn't say like a cult, but yeah. like it's it's a world of its own. 100%. So um, it explains why having that type of forum actually drew out a crowd. You know, it wasn't yeah. just like 
10 people that interact with there each other. There were 100 people in that Zoom, and that was, like, capacity. So I really wonder what the real number would have been if everyone at the same time was allowed oh, to enter. At least two times or three times. Even, you like, so? you got to account for people that just wanted to be in that, you know? Low-key, like, there were just... some people just snuck it through the back, like, mm, yeah, I'm just here to see watch. what's going on, see if there's going to be any drama. I mean, yeah. you obviously don't hope for that, but you know there's people that are in there like, hmm, what's about to happen? Yeah. So, But, no, yeah, you're right. So, yeah, that happened throughout the day. And, like, I was – I I don't consider myself a part, like, an active member of, like, Toronto Black Twitter. I feel like I'm, like, an affiliate or, like, you know what I mean? Or I feel like I'm, like, a like a, it's like a second cousin. Like, I don't think I'm in the mix, you know what I mean? Because a lot – like, I mentioned yesterday, a lot of those, like, OG members are older than They're, I am. Yeah, it's way You know old. what I mean? And they've been knowing each other for, like – 10 years and plus. beefing for that long too. yeah and beefing for 10 years plus so i don't want to be like yeah you know i'm like i i don't feel like that's in my place like i wasn't there throughout the whole rough rider situation so um like i said i'm like i'm like a second cousin but i still see it you know i still know a lot of people involved in it so i decided to um be a part of it so the day went on and you know i kind of saw people saying certain things on twitter and i was like oh this is it's supposed to be positive, I think, but people are asking que- like valid questions for right. sure. I was seeing valid questions, but it was kind of like, I don't. Now I'm kind of confused at what this is, and now I'm getting anxious on joining the Zoom because I'm scared someone's going to ask for someone's address, and then all of a sudden everyone's going to leave the meeting at once. Pull up. So, <laughs> yeah, I was super kind of anxious before, and then I was kind of counting down. I was talking to my friends, go, right, yo, like... 7 30 like half an hour like we're gonna join blah blah blah. so i just remember like eight o'clock hitting and i was like okay let me just log in and see i remember when i logged in i was like one like the like the 30 p i logged in with like 34 people already in there and this was like maybe like 802 and i was like damn like 30 people okay i thought right. that, that's how the numbers go up and it was like you know like 50 60 you thought it was gonna be like an instagram live where it's just you I, and them and yeah like, like i didn't really expect <laughs> that many people to show up and it was like you know like 70 80 and then i saw 100 now like it just stopped at 100 so i was like mm-hmm I wonder if 100 is a cap or if 100 is just the number that we're stopping at. And then it turned out 100 was a cap. People were literally just waiting outside, like just in the waiting like room. Like me, outside. Yeah, just waiting to get in. So that was huge that everyone decided to come out. And one thing that I will say was I think it was one of the – first of all, the meeting was four hours. It yeah. went from 8.30, and I think we logged out at like 12.30, close to 1. So one thing that I will say was I think it was one of the most powerful things I've ever been a part of. Um, there were so many people there who I've known for years. Like there was one girl, I don't want to name too many names, but there's one girl there who I knew, you know, quite a bit. And like, I used to use a fake ID to get into her birthday party. Oh, you know shit. what I mean? So I was like, yo, this people, literally, I'm like, there's people in here who like I've known for a long time. So it was really good to hear them speak and grow. And like I said, I was a complete outsider looking in. Like I didn't really know them back in 2011, 2012 when that kind of bashing dark skin trend was in so it was scary for me to see and i was really just in there as someone who wanted to press the agenda of yo why the fuck did you say that and i got my answers you know what i mean there were a lot of people in there who i commend them for taking the time to really say you know what like i was going through this and i thought myself as that and at home i was treated this way but outside i was treated like this so i decided to and i respect their answers 100 percent. and i think that's a big thing um that came out of that meeting. I think people yeah. had a lot of self-reflection and hearing people's stories. I think it was huge. There was no negativity, which I think is a huge thing as well. Um, one thing about Toronto Black Twitter is so many people have strong personalities that it's very easy to clash. I've clashed with a For few sure. people on there, and I'm re- now, now I'm friends with them, and we're cool now, but I've clashed with, had a few up and downs with a lot of people, um, a part of that Twitter community. But 
just seeing how vulnerable and emotional people were crying like it was it was intense yeah so but it was so good I think it was refreshing and like I said this is a time and one thing Sherry kept saying was this is a time where we need to come we have a bigger fight you know what I mean we do not need to be fighting each other because we got to fight the racists literally white supremacists literally damn we've been fighting them for 400 years like we can't afford to, to we can't lose afford soldiers. To fight. Yeah, exactly. We cannot afford to have our <laughs> own casualties. soldiers also count. Get in here, please. <laughs> Literally, like, we need all the bodies we can get. We need to go full force. We have a bigger fight to fight, and it's going to be a long fight. And I've honestly never thought something will be so powerful. Like, we saw Trayvon Martin, you know what I mean? We saw yeah. so many other young black men die at the hands of police. But I think this one hit so different was because the whole thing was filmed from beginning to end yeah. with George Floyd, which was so unfortunate. Even the story of Breonna Taylor was disgusting to say the least. Um, black people, not, they're not even safe in, we're not, we are not safe in our own homes. No, it's crazy because I've been saying that this stuff has gone way more attention this time because we're all at home. Like, mm-hmm. Yes. And it, what it made me realize is we've all been dealing with a sort of PTSD from other deaths, but then next day you have to wake up and go to work. Mm-hmm. You have to wake up and, you know, go to school or whatever you're doing with your life. And it's so easy to just forget. And you almost feel invalidated in carrying this grief. I realized up until George Floyd, like, I had carried griefs past certain people's deaths. You know, Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice. Watching that, I cried the entire yeah. day I saw that. And so, but the thing is, if you wake up the next day, you don't feel like it's something you can, like, call in and be like, I'm depressed. I just saw a 12-year-old die, you know, mm-hmm. on camera. Um, but then now it's like, actually I'm at home. I have nothing better to do than like absorb myself into this and I can't escape it. And then it makes, it gives you time to reflect. And then next thing you know, the whole world is feeling the same thing at the same time. And, and we're bouncing off each other, which I really like seeing that on Twitter, Instagram too. Mm -hmm. Like it felt like for the first time, especially for non-black people, it wasn't, um, like we're yelling at a, at a brick wall. Like people were like, okay, like this is actually crazy, which Mm -hmm. And it's in of itself is annoying because it's like it took you this long to realize. Exactly. But it's are we going to pick up the fight of being like, why are you ignoring us all these years? You know, let's just move on. Now you're paying attention. Now, what are we going to say now that we have the platform? And now how are we going to act moving forward, knowing that the, the spotlight is on us on black issues right mm-hmm. now? So I think that's the bigger issue right now. Yeah. Out what we're going to do next. It, yeah, it's so big. And I think. One of the questions, because I know in the family meeting, we we're talking about we need to support each other. We need to buy black. I feel like there's so many people, especially black people in just Toronto that I know personally who are so creative, who are so business oriented, who are so intelligent and they have so many bigger things ahead of them. We just we need to uplift each other. And one of the questions that I had is, have we been letting ourselves down for the last, I don't know how many years of not supporting our own community? You know, 100 I mean? percent. Um, I saw a tweet today that said, um, Oh my God, what's it? It's like, we're so easy to like buy from McDonald's or like, and we're so easy and that's not even good quality food. You know what I mean? It's also owned by the white man, but you know, we, we give a hard time to the black person who's starting their own business who might not answer the phone. You know what I mean? Or things like that. We're so quick to, to judge or to like get snappy with certain businesses, but it's like, we go to McDonald's and order a nasty Big Mac. The ice cream machine is always goddamn fucking broken. (laughs) And we still go back. Is that insanity? Literally the definition of insanity when you keep doing the same thing over and over again expecting different Exactly. Things. But if the mom and pop jerk shop doesn't have oxtail gravy, we lose our fucking shit. It's okay. And we Pat. don't go back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
call and you we out. don't go back. But if McDonald's ice cream machine is broken, we're like, uh, fuck it, I'll come back tomorrow. All right, you, you all said before nine. Okay, I'll come back tomorrow at eight. Yeah, you know what I mean? Literally. So we have to be more open to you know everyone has ups and downs in their business, but like I said, as a black community, we need we need this more than ever to come together. We need to. If you want to start a business, you know, start it. If you have a passion, do it. Like I'm here talking in a mic, and I've never done this before, so right. I think it's interesting you bring that up because I saw another tweet that said you can't buy black, you can't buy your way black out of um, systemic racism, mm-hmm. and I think that has like two two facets to it. One, obviously, there's a lot of obstacles stacked against us, which explains your point. Like you can't necessarily expect like perfect everything considering everything that this young entrepreneur has had to go through to get there right so we need to have a a level of leniency to a degree but also you need to understand like what's happening with these black business owners is you know you make your money and then you move into a white neighborhood Mm -hmm. or you buy gucci Mm -hmm. or you spend your dollar earned from black people into white hands so you're not exchanging the money back into the community and also what happens when you move into these neighborhoods guess what you're still up (laughs) <laughs> to them <laughs> and then you have you're these stories you looked at each other you're still up it, literally mm-hmm. and then that's what happens <laughs> like you have the case of uh what's it called uh michael jordan or something or no lebron james had like the n-word spray painted across his uh what yeah i swear that happened last year we're gonna have to fact check fact that, check that. <laughs> but yeah i swear that happened or you have like the the karen in the park right oh yeah that cooper guy everyone was like he's an avid birder went to harvard like all these accolades as if he deserves more respect that way but like Mm -hmm. even then that's to prove a point you're gonna move into these neighborhoods and guess what you're trying to leave where you came from and spend your money here and at the end of the day no matter what when push comes to shove you're still a black man and they're gonna treat you as such and remind you of that if you step out of bounds Mm -hmm. or if you happen to just have not even do anything you know and so it's we also have to be accountable in as business owners, consumers, it's reciprocal. So if I'm spending money in the black community, you have to also use your earnings to enrich that community. Yeah. S- stay in those neighborhoods. Because guess what? If When you leave Regent Park right now, gentrified. There's hella white people there right now. <laughs> and all the black people that made money there moved to like Saga, whatever, yeah. bought their homes. But if you, if you would have stayed, your home would be worth like $2 million right now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if we don't take the chance to hop into our own communities and enrich our own communities, somebody else is going to come in and, and push us out. So they've been doing. They've been doing that. So it goes both ways, definitely. Like, stop taking money earned from black people to go prove something to white people by mimicking them or spending into their their way of life and especially the whole designer thing that like literally pisses me off mm-hmm. so much like wh- who are you trying to prove a point to mm-hmm. it's i don't know yeah, yeah no you're right you're s- <laughs> yeah no you're snapping <laughs> <Bars>. <laughs> you literally hit them with the bars um you're right at the end of the day you're yeah you say we take we make our money we move into these big houses in white neighborhoods and you're still up exactly and yep. i think yeah, like I said, if you follow me, I've been dragging pe- black men specifically yep. all day because all these things are coming up that they've said. And I know the specific man that I dragged. We're those not tweets. even going to give him a platform. Yeah, we're not. No. But I know those tweets were, okay, six years ago, but you still think like that. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. I've, I've, I've seen him. Yeah, exactly. We've seen you and people have said from, you know, like even a couple months ago, he said, you know what I mean? So it's like, whatever, do what you have to do. But... It's just like, yeah, and I told him shit up. Yo, you can flaunt with your white people in the club and, you know, only let white girls in your booth and call black girls or whatever. But at the end of the day, 
you are still a when they look at you so don't ever try it don't do it mm -hmm. because they will use that word when they want to and what are you gonna do run Clown. back exactly run back exactly we're you're there dancing for them for we're what not, we're literally not taking it back <laughs> you know who you are <laughs> stay but over there <laughs> literally and i think it's just so disappointing because one thing i said like yo black women fight so hard for black men so hard. so hard and it's like what's not clicking like why can't you guys like not you i shouldn't say but why can't some black men even reciprocate this like the same type of respect i don't get it i, I genuinely it don't because i and the thing is it's like we fight hard man we defend them with everything and we work to support our families and our black sons and it's just like it gets thrown in our faces almost all the time yep like almost nine times out of ten it's so sad yeah but that's a problem and like i said it, it starts from home and racism starts from home and that's another thing too where um i was speaking to a family that i actually want to read what she said because she posted a really deep instagram um caption the other day and that's all i was like your racism is genuinely taught like of so course. basically this family friend she has a four-year-old son her i've known her literally since i was probably born um her name is alicia and her family and our family are super close you know what i mean every birthday things like that we've been close and you know she's super vocal right now on what has happened so let me find so she wrote a caption i'm gonna read it i asked her for permission before so this was posted on june 2nd and the caption reads i have grappled with posting this but a conversation with my girl triggered me to finally do it she posted when do my sons stop being cute to you and become the enemy such a gut-wrenching question in light of this quote i have decided that it's time to use my little platform to help educate as you know my feed is predominantly images and videos of my adorable and brilliant son he brings joy to those who encounter him i even receive requests from friends and family to post more frequently so they can continue to see him grow and flourish he has a good life he is loved and well cared for but even before he turned two years old he had already been discriminated against the day this photo was taken, we were enjoying his first experience on a trampoline. At one point, an angry little boy approached us and pointed at my sweet little baby and said, he needs to get out of here. I asked him why. He replied, he has no. black <laughs> I know. I asked him why. He replied, he has black skin. He needs to go to the black side. I am oh. opening up and sharing this moment because people need to realize that this happens in Canada. This isn't an American issue. Racism exists in Brampton, Mississauga, Georgetown, Orangeville, Toronto, etc. This is a us problem, not a U.S. problem. Racism isn't just black and white issue either. The child who so blatantly disrespected my boy was not black or white. Please, if you want to help and make change, recognize and acknowledge that these issues occur right here, right now, to people who claim to respect and love you. Comments have been turned off because this is not a discussion. This is a lesson. Wow. She dropped that the mic on that one. That was heavy. And yeah. honestly, I think about that all the time. I feel like young black men, young black boys become men in people's eyes sooner yeah. than, than other boys. I think young black girls are sexualized sooner. Mm -hmm. And I have my own experiences with that mm -hmm. um, sooner than than white white children or other race children. And the issue here is just like everyone needs to understand that everybody has racial bias right. and even black people but the mm -hmm. difference is when you're at the bottom race right racism it's inherently hierarchical right and we're at the bottom of the hierarchy so whatever opinions we have doesn't really have that much of an impact like right. i can call white people whatever i want to call at home which i don't 
but they can still go out and get a loan get a job get a rental whatever they want in their life right so it there's power dynamics at play that affect us more than other races Mm -hmm. but as soon as people start understanding that like it's not it's better to acknowledge the fact that you have these racial biases than ignore them and pretend they don't exist because that's that doesn't help anybody and it happens in within black communities you know with the whole colorism thing and it happens more so between us and other communities and the problem is here that it's life and death like Mm -hmm. if it was just certain civil liberties whatever but like this is it's getting to a point where it's not getting to a point but it's it's been life and death and um ignoring the link between police brutality institutionalized racism and then racial bias at home it's just like trying to ignore everything that kid's gonna grow up to have to occupy a position Mm -hmm. god knows what position you know it could be corporate it could be policing anything and those biases if they go unchecked are gonna be carried with him throughout his entire life Mm -hmm. and that's gonna have an impact on other black people whether it be one person or multiple depending on what this kid grows up to do so it's about taking accountability realizing starts in your own home 100% 100% starts in your home. That's like, I, t- I messaged I'm like, bro, I'm like, that, no four-year-old knows to say that. Right. You know what I mean? And she, I think, handled the situation when we talked about it much better than I would. What did she I, do? I don't want to say too much, but <laughs> she did less, well, she definitely, she approached the mom, basically, oh, okay. in an angry way, but I would have done more to the Def mom. <laughs> she would have got a death on. I would have done, and I, I'm not a violent person anymore. I've had my few shares. <laughs> You can't see my face right now, but I'm like, uh, okay. I've had my few shares of rumbles, but as I got to an actual adult, I, I don't believe in fighting or violence unless it's like absolutely necessary. But um, if any, if I, if a little boy came to my son and no, bro, it would, be, it would that that trampoline over with. <laughs> that trampoline park would have to close down that day. Sorry, we are out of business today. That's another thing. How come none of these racists ever run into any of us? Like, that, I, oh man, that is one. I was like, there's some stories I hear. I'm like, bro, why hasn't this happened to me? I would teach someone a lesson. I'm not even violent at all, but I will cuss you the hell out. <laughs> like, some people are like, oh, you know what? Someone said, I'm like, someone's, even sometimes at like my old jobs, people are like, yeah, a customer said this. I mean, customer said, like, what? Where, what? <laughs> like, why am I never put in these positions? I think because God's protecting me. Because he knows my reaction would be detrimental. So that's that's what I'm going to think of it as. That's why I like to peace of mind. Because I feel like if I ever get in that position, no, it would be curtains for me and them. I realize now I lied. But I'll ask you afterwards. But I've had that happen over racism. And honestly, it was so crazy that I didn't know what to do. Oh, when you were called... Yeah, I was yeah. called, let me just say it to the people, I was called a nigger, bro. <laughs> me and my entire family were in, in Mississippi. We drove from, my my sister lives, I know, right? Like, yeah, literally. Yeah, literally the worst. The it was worst expected, but, like, I went to visit my sister who lives in New Orleans, right? And then we decided we want to go up to the water. Closest place, closest beach was in Mississippi. We drive up. We're pulling up to the parking lot. I guess we cut this man off, perhaps going to the parking lot. Who knows? We're, we're pulling out. We got, like, the chairs, the cooler, like, the most picture-perfect family, like me, my sister and her kids and husband and my brother. And my brother was, like, in his hothead phase, right? So you would have thought it went it would have went crazy. But it was so hilarious, sis, because it was the first time. We walk out, and he's like, you got me, whatever, whatever, you fucking niggers. And we're like, it's the shot because I feel like it's the shot. Honestly, now I think about it, I've been called a nigger. Of actually, and the thing is, he was in his car, 
and they're I was always in their car. I was walking, so I was like, I can't chase a man <laughs> when right. I'm on my way to class. Damn, it was by U of T. Yeah, or by you know, it was by U of T, and I was crossing the street, and he, it was like you know when it counts down. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure it was like 22 seconds. Like I had time, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? And he's going to make the left, and he makes the left in front of me, and I give him the finger, and he's like, "You nigger, can't even cross." And I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa!" <laughs> right. I am he's crossing so the many damn words. street. He could called you a bitch. Like, yeah. He's so many words. And I was like, "Hey," and I was like, "I'm on foot." Like, you know what I mean? Like, if I was in a car, 100% chase down. And my family, you know, my family has done chase downs before. I've been in the car with um, my older cousin. And I think maybe, I remember, I was maybe like nine. And I think someone called him out of his name. And he was like, yo, we're uh, like, buckle up. Right. We're, we're doing a chase down. <laughs> yeah, literally, like, we we're going to McDonald's. And I think some guy cut him off or said something or called him out of his name. And he was like, yo, buckle your seatbelt. Like, we're not, we're, we're, it's a chase down. And he went and he cussed the guy off. And that's, how, you know, what I mean, we have to defend ourselves in situations like that. But it's like, yeah, I think if you're not in a position to really defend yourself or it catches you so off guard, you're like, yo, did I just get called a, an N word? Like, yeah, wait, yeah, what? Yeah. Me? Like, excuse me? Like, yeah. So, and they're always doing when they're on foot or they're moving. You know what I mean? Like they'll never just stand in front of you and just say it with their chest. At least not to me. Right. They're always like in a car, or, like in passing or like running or like, you know what I mean? It's never Breaking like, news, racists are cowards. Yeah, literally. <laughs> it's always like you're doing stuff that like stand here. And yeah. fight me for it. Like, don't be in your car and I'm on foot, or don't be in the car and I'm in the car. You know what I mean? So, yeah, man, they're yeah, they're chicken, chickens out. No, but I think that brings up a good point, which is like in Canada, we don't usually really deal with overt racism, mm-hmm. uh, which I guess is the reason why a lot of people believe we don't have racism in this country. Uh, false, false, <laughs> completely false, false. So I guess uh, the next thing that we deal with all the time is covert racism, right? Right. So, I mean, speak on it. I have my own issues with that, but I don't know if you want to kick it off. It's the ignorance that bothers me. It's like the questions about the hair always, always, always gets me. And it's like, can I touch it? No, the fuck you can't. You literally can't. I don't want to touch your hair because it's greasy. (laughs) So why the fuck do you want to touch mine? And it's just like, and it's the stupid, like, questions, um that people make are the assumptions that all black people are from either Africa or Jamaica. Right. And that one kills me. And I think there was a situation once um, where a black person, they were like, they're someone who was white insinuated that a black person's family was from Jamaica. And this was in a work environment. He was just like, what? (laughs) Like, like literally no, like I'm pretty sure he's from another Island in the Caribbean. I can't, it's slipping my mind right now. The white person's like, they're not all Jamaica. Literally. literally, So Jamaica is not a continent. You did not come from there. And it's just like, just because that's like the only really country. Yeah. The only country, you know, it's just like, no, they're, they, black people are literally everywhere. Yep. And it's, it's a problem. And it's like, we were taken from Africa and brought to places we didn't even want to fucking go. Yep. And now we're here still getting oppressed in places we did not want to be. Yeah. It, you know, it's a nightmare. And I remember, um, I had a friend the other day who said, had like a whole concept. He was like, honestly, we, like every black person should just pick up and like go back to Acre- Africa and just build what we, were st- what we were supposed to do, what we started and just start a whole like community that will thrive and stuff. But I feel like we shouldn't even have to move. Like, let's do that here in our homes. You know, we, I was born in Canada. You were born in Africa, so you can speak on it more. But like, I feel like I've never, we have like Chinatown, Koreatown, Little Italy. Yeah. Do we have a little Greece or something like that? Greek, Greek town. Greek town. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We have all, all these like force. small communities where people in that community support each other. You know what I mean? And we need that as a yeah. black community. And we don't have that. Not to the extent where other minority groups do. 
Um, so the now is definitely the time. Like I, I need shot black everything. Yeah, I think it's it's complicated, right? It's multi-layered because the thing is, black as an identifier is only specific to us right mm-hmm. other communities have re- they're not like european town like yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> european yeah, yeah, world yeah, yeah and that's why a lot of people have problems with the term black because it comes from being othered like before europeans came to africa we never thought of ourselves as black people we were the ma- we are the majority right and the whole problem is our history as far as we know it, like back home the history that i learn is dates as far back as when the first white person came into my country mm-hmm. I don't know African history. Like, I'm not taught anything before that point because obviously they're the ones that, you know, alphabetize the language and teach the history. And then so you have a whole population in Africa that in the mainstream education, their history begins with colonization or whatever. And then you move here and black Americans, their history begins with slavery, which obviously that's not their history. So it's like our history has always been other. Like, they came in, took our land, took our people, imposed their history, their language, all their religion, and then now gave us this title black, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. which is like unanimous to all of us. Like to a white person, me and you are the same, but we have completely different heritage. Right. I'm from Burundi, you're from Jamaica. Mm-hmm. And so it's difficult, which is why we have these differences between our own black community because we, we're from all over the place. Mm-hmm. And then so the covert racism comes into play because now we're here it's like okay you know canadians black canadians came to at the same time as settlement and you know help build the country and been around as long as white people but at the end of the day we're always othered it's always like the small comments where are you from you know uh the hair thing it's just like why am i always constantly reminded of being different like i I speak like you i i'm not even born here but i speak like you And I know you're not from here. And English is what? Your third language? My third language. Exactly. So I know when I speak to any white person, I don't care to ask them, where are you from? Because we're all in Canada. It's a country made of settlers, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, on indigenous land, on indigenous land. And so I know you're not from here. I don't care. Okay. How come you can't move past that? And it's like that covert racism infiltrates every interaction black people have every single day. And it's like, whether even if it's from a good intention of oh where are you from you look so exotic or like whatever whatever or is that your real hair because i don't know Black like people don't have hair right exactly hair don't go past their ears right what all that <laughs> bullshit which is so annoying because bullshit. as a young girl you literally grow up feeling like you have to prove that you have hair which makes no sense it's actually <laughs> terrible like i and i could definitely agree and attest to that it it's bad man it's like, awful i used to i used to hate my hair texture like you asked anyone i used to want to perm my hair because i wanted that white girl texture i used to hate what like there would be days where i'm like oh my god i have to wash my hair and i have to dedicate a whole entire day to wash my hair because i didn't even know how to comb it properly and my mom would try to help me and i would get so frustrated and she would try to teach me and i wouldn't want to learn and it got to play where I had to, like when i became an adult maybe like no actually not an adult maybe like late high school when i moved out so maybe like yeah late high school the first university i was like okay i need to actually learn how to properly do my hair so it can grow and it can be healthy because my hair obviously my hair is different i have thick i have like what like a 4a 4b texture so right. my hair is kinky it's not like it's kinky yeah um so it's all like you have to understand your hair and like yeah you have to understand it and know what works and not everyone's the same and it's difficult to try to explain to people why you have to do things with your hair like i don't ask karen why your hair is blonde <laughs> Right. Oh, you, you know, I don't care that you dyed your hair, but you care when I come and get braids. And more times, they're not natural blondes either. Exactly. Like, keep it pushing, Karen. Yeah. 
Like and like when you come in and you dye your hair or you get your front bangs, I never ask you, oh, why'd you do that? But it's if I come in with a twenty-six inch weave, it's oh, why? Mm, that's interesting. Did your hair grow? Right. It's like no, it did not grow from ten inches to twenty-six yesterday. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. For being literally stupid <laughs> like for me it's just a constant reminder of them basically saying you're different yeah, like that's every day is. they're saying you're different you're different you're different <laughs> and it's like okay damn i know like can we move on <laughs> no actually and and i think that's why yeah it's kind of like how do we do this fight to prepare for the next generation and i don't even think i have that answer even that's something i wanted to ask today it's like how do we fight this fight to the intensity that needs to be fought at so the Ooh, next generation let me put on my dr umar hat <laughs> i do have a bit of an answer to if, if you are a coon super coon or negro in training jump off jump off this podcast right now. let me put on my dr umar he's crazy but he has a little a little truth in he his has craziness a little truth. This is not, like okay you, you're saying a little bit of facts disguised or disguised behind the, yeah. the psycho there so i think that um so there's this author let me search him while we're talking i'm sorry but basically he wrote a great book poweronomics uh his name is dr claude let me just make sure i, I got it right dr claude anderson right mm-hmm. and his whole idea like i'm paraphrasing get familiar with him yourself i would encourage you to his whole idea is we were bamboozled, bamboozled. misled <laughs> by focus <laughs> Let us stray. <laughs> hoodwinked. We have been hoodwinked. We were fucking Yo. hoodwinked <laughs> by being convinced to, to focus time. on civil liberties. Like, do you understand how crazy of a battle that is to get someone to think of you as a whole human? Human? Like, if somebody doesn't think I'm a whole human, it's too late. The battle is yeah. lost. The white supremacist is never going to view me as somebody that matters. Yeah. Forget it. So his whole thing is uh, Martin Luther King, though he led a great, great fight, Um, Instead of worrying about integration, what he should have been worried about or what black people need to be worried about is uh, economic power. Amen. Group economics specifically. And we see this in all, especially in in Canada. I'll take Canada as an example. Uh, Indian communities are the quickest communities to go from poor to middle class, uh, upper middle class. Indian? Indian. Or, yeah, Indian, Sri Lankan. I'll just group them together. I'm not sure. Um, And so, and... And you can kind of see it. I mean, you've seen, you live in Brampton, you know, mm-hmm. and how they are. They move into the house, they all live together, they buy within their circle. Mm-hmm. The money's exchanged multiple times within their community. And then. And Indian people work hard, man. Hard. They were, like I said, where I live, I live in Brampton. I've, I live in an area where there's fairly a lot of Indian people, a lot of fairly a lot of Indian immigrants. And they, they be work, like they work, they work their full time job. They have like two part time jobs. You know what I mean? And they, like I said, the money's exchanged within their community, within their family. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, like, we live in a capitalist system, so the idea of capitalism doesn't give a fuck about humans. Like, mm-hmm. it's literally about, like, how can you maximize return and who cares about what happens in the process, right? Which is why we have all the, these, like, child laborers or whatever, child slave labor or whatever, right? So if we're in this system, they're never going to care about us as people, but if we have purchasing power, if we have, as as an identifier, black people are somebody that they can look to and say, they are an audience, they're a consumer, they are a business, then we have more power, we have more leeway to make other demands than us starting off now trying to ask for civil liberties. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not going to work. And his book talks about basically, it's very simple, group economics. Try to have money switch between black communities as much as you can. I think I'm going to 
side note so I can get the full details right now because it's really important. It's something crazy. It says like how Jewish communities like ex- the money is exchanged within their communities at least 11 times. And with oh. black communities, in the, this is in the States, it's like twice. Oh, twice or maybe once so before it gets saying? moved out. So it's like I buy your product. You're a black business owner. You go buy Gucci. That's mm. basically what he's saying. It's not going back back and forth back right. and forth and like for success it needs to be done multiple times and you need to do it four or five times chinese community you know they're popping yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they got chinatowns across the world literally every single city every has a single chinatown. city across north america and beyond. they got one in africa too. in burundi they got chinatown really? hell yeah we have like uh you know how there's like the tea and tea supermarket here yeah 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 the first supermarket in Burundi is a Chinese-owned supermarket. So let that shit sink in. Yeah. <laughs> so what you're saying is basically I need to gift all my little cousins. The, what is it? Power Economics? Poweronomics? Poweronomics. Poweronomics by Dr. Claude Anderson. And then he has a... Uh, I was introduced to him through a Breakfast Club interview. And that interview is about an hour long. Best hour like I could have watched. And the thing is, he was around during the um, Civil Rights Movement. Mm-hmm. So he was there. But... You know, he's always stuck onto the idea of economics first. And here, there's a quote here. I'm going to go ahead and read it. Okay. Let's see. So he says, power is the ability to get things done despite the resistance and opposition of others. Economics is the production, distribution, and consumption of goods and wealth. Poweronomics then is the ability of blacks to pull resources and power to produce distribute and consume in a way that creates goods and wealth that black people control that's basically what pyonomics is in a nutshell you're combining power and economics and it's easy to kind of dismiss the importance of it because you're thinking like but we just need to not be killed but you don't understand like the police are literally there the origins of police actually started out in europe and what they were as an institution was made to protect um uh land right Mm -hmm. and so people who owned the most land had the police and an extension of land was slaves so and then that got carried over to the u.s and and you know throughout the world everywhere everywhere has policing but once you understand that they're basically there to protect private property so people who own private property own police officers that's why you see karen's calling them like it's their goddamn assistant Mm -hmm. like hi um i'm inconvenienced in the slightest can Mm -hmm. you come help me and arrest this person because honestly that's what the police are there for that's what their purpose is and that's why they show up and don't do anything like right. they come and they maybe tell her she's exaggerating or worse they arrest the black person <laughs> yeah exactly or kill the black person yeah and then it's like we can't expect this institution that was based on private property to all of a sudden respect us mm-hmm. that's why all this bullshit about like police reform nah. like sensitivity training i'm like y'all not gonna reform anything nope if we understand what their purpose is, then we need to make it so that they are our employers, exactly. our employees. Sorry. Technically, they are our employees. Like I mean, it's yeah, our we dollars. pay taxes. We, exactly. Our taxes go to pay the salaries of the But we need officers. to own land. Yeah, you're right. We need to own it. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you look at me in my eyes like that when you said it? I'm dead ass. Um. <laughs> <laughs> No, but that's that's big. Yeah, no, that's something I think. I feel like I need to gift. Like I said, I need to gift that book to all my little cousins on their 18th birthday because yeah, no, we need to prepare them for better. Right. Way better. Because as it is right now, right, we're just taught like, 
follow along the rules, mm-hmm. be polite, get your job, whatever, whatever, and like you know, you will have security. But we're realizing, first of all, our, we don't have security, which exactly. is like the basis of which is our human right, right? Basic, like that's all we want. Yeah. So then you we we have to look back and be like, actually, we should be striving for more than just basic uh safety mm-hmm. <laughs> we should be striving for a little bit more than that and just <laughs> wanting to live at this point yeah. right like maybe 400 years ago but at this point like maybe uh i want to own something mm-hmm. and I, maybe i want to like walk around and feel like i belong <laughs> i don't think i'm gonna see that in my lifetime but that one like maybe who right because even if you are black and work that comes with different what do you mean like even when you follow the rules, right, and you get your corporate job or your teaching job or whatever, you still have to deal with the fact that you are black first. Yeah, no, hundred percent, and you'll always be seen as such. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's just I don't know. It's hard, and I, I think I've had a lot of I've had so many, like white people or non-black people in my life or previously in my life, reach out to me and was just like, you know, like, I'm sorry. And like, I'm here for you. And first of all, don't, don't tell me you're sorry. That's another thing too. I know. I know. Um, I am in, but do you think I'm, they're saying sorry? Like, I'm sorry be, for not realizing that I may have been playing into racism or they, they might haven't be said in those, in, in those words. So I'm not going to take it as that. Not I feel true. like you're just saying you're sorry just because you feel bad about what you're seeing on the news. Yeah. Not necessarily. You're sorry for, potentially being ignorant to certain things that may have involved you and I or things like I don't think I personally don't think it's coming from that place because that's not the way you worded it so I'm going to assume otherwise Um, but another thing that I want to mention is when it comes to talking to your you have you I think you have more do you have more you probably have more white friends than I do (laughs) to be very honest I don't really have a lot of yeah I don't know I don't have a lot of white friends like people like actual friends that like I see on a daily basis or speak to so it's kind of like I was talking to you know other friends and families who have white friends or an interest like talking to their white friends is hard you know what I mean and it's like people say it's not our job to educate you on something that's been so prevalent for so long it's not our job to educate you on that so my question is how yeah, like, how do you talk to your white friends or your non-black friends? And, like, where do you draw the line if they're not getting it? Because I've heard situations where it's, like, yo, they, they really say some ignorant shit. Yeah. And I, my personal thing is, like, yo, cut them off. Like, that's it. Yeah, Dead sure. It. I think I've been lucky. So my, like, closest friend uh, who is white, I've known her since I was eight years old. Mm-hmm. She's very woke, you know? Right. And so she's the type that might call out something before I notice it. Mm-hmm. Um, we also live together. She also has weirdly always had an affinity to black people (laughs) (laughs) not even black men but like i remember when we were like in grade four she'd be like damn i wish i had your hair like like seriously like upset like that she doesn't have 4c hair and i'm like okay (laughs) i and like also fun fact she uh like gave me single braids when we lived together. yeah i remember you told me that like yeah. her first try or something like that she, i was like you know i'm really broke i'm a first year <laughs> we're living together and i'm like but i need to get braids done like i'm struggling and she's like yo i can do it i'm like can you <laughs> how hard could it possibly be and like 10 disney movies later we were done it took long but it looked decent yeah i, I remember seeing they did look good so you're yeah. like yeah my roommate did then i was like really <laughs> yeah and it was a bonding experience for sure and i realized that most people don't have that relationship with white people but another thing is we always have these conversations i'm always mm-hmm. reminded of the fact that i'm black so i i'll tell her i'll be like oh god i was at work and somebody said this and this and this 
But I think what people are realizing because of what happened recently is they've never had these conversations with their white slash yeah. non-black friends. Mm-hmm. And so they're just for the first time hearing them say some stuff that they've learned at home, you know, mm-hmm. and that may have not come up, but they grew up hearing things like just comply. Don't don't you know, mm-hmm. like, what was he doing in the first place? You know, assuming that he was guilty. Um, and so people are just realizing that they their friend isn't really who they thought they were. And part of it is like, obviously, your friend is a piece of shit if they aren't willing to hear your side, whatever, whatever. But part of it is like you have to hold yourself accountable. Like, why aren't you having these conversations with um, the white people in your life and like partners as well dating? And I've had experience with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you definitely need to have that race combo early because it'll sneak up on you and you'll be like i didn't know you thought like that. yeah exactly and then now you're like damn i've been with this man for a year <laughs> and he does yeah and he thinks reverse racism is real damn <laughs> so then what what does it think what do you do because i've never like i said i've never dated outside of my race like i'm very open with that i've never had an experience yeah, with you've always said that. any other man except for a black man so um honestly okay so my first relationship was very childish so um (laughs) we didn't really have those conversations and but you know like when i remember when like mike brown died or like we'd have those conversations and i understand that he understands what i'm going through to a degree but even most recently actually i've had this conversation where um somebody that i thought was woke was saying some crazy shit And mind you, we've been talking for like a couple, like a year or more. So. Oh yes, yes, yes. Like yes. not not dating, but like <laughs> like talking, right? So you, I think I know him, and you know, I I think he's woke, right? And then it turns out he was joking, apparently. Oh, but, um, please. It's like the convo comes up. He was up. joking and being racially insensitive, right? But so just the, kidding exactly and so the convo comes up it was so off guard it was just something like uh yeah like the trend on twitter nowadays just to make fun of white people and i was like yeah i mean y'all are funny make it easy but (laughs) (laughs) i was like yeah it can happen and he's like he's like i don't know man that's some reverse racism and i was like what (laughs) literally what what that's also something bad about dating non-black people is like all the time whenever i'm like i want to be like nigga what but i can't you can't say it (laughs) no but then it led to a conversation we've worked it out now where i'm like you can't make those type of jokes and not address the actual uh issues because Mm -hmm. it makes me feel invalidated and also makes me question whether you you realize this reality for me right like i'm not gonna assume that you know this and you're when you leave space for interpretation by not having a real conversation about it i'm gonna assume that you're like you know not as woke as i thought you were but this isn't even someone i'm dating but i knew these convos had to happen and it made me take a step back reevaluate what was going on and like i'm definitely going to move differently going forward Mm -hmm. especially in that with that situation so but like people are getting into entire relationships choosing to ignore that you know there's people black people who are saying like oh like he doesn't care about me being black it's like i sure hope he doesn't care about you being black but like <laughs> he doesn't see color right but does he care about what's going exactly. on like that's the bare minimum is him caring if you're black or not yeah. like what the fuck literally so i think people just need to have these conversations if it's uncomfortable like so what it's uncomfortable being black in north america every day so yep. literally every day and i think the only times that i've really had to kind of get uncomfortable or force people to be uncomfortable was with work 
and I was super open and I've been one of the biggest advocates for bringing this up in your workplace. And I have so many family, friends, even strangers have followed me and DM me like, hey, like, how do I bring this up in my meeting? Like, what do I say in this email? Because like I said, we go to we spend what most of our time at work. Um, most people spend eight hours a day at yep. work um, as a black person. We get our money from these companies that we work for to do our roles and they have to be addressed at work. Yeah. There is no reason why this should not be addressed by your employer at all. You work for them. You see them every day. The company pays you. Why do you, why are you not addressing what I'm going through if I'm an associate of yours? And I think one thing that I did, which kind of started the conversation was that first Instagram post I made, which was like the notes of me talking, like I work in um, social marketing and one of the things, my no- <laughs> um, the notes that or the notes, sorry, that I made and posted on Instagram was just like me calling out, commending other brands for po- posting on the weekend that weekend and kind of hurt that that didn't happen at my workplace at the time. They definitely made up a lot of ground and I definitely commend um, my workplace for doing that because we, we've had a lot of uncomfortable discussions and yeah. they really gave black people the platform to speak and share how they feel, whether it's personal, whether it's professional, whether it's old stories or new stories and they were really receptive, but yeah, we really had to push that conversation. Like you said, that's the difference of being proactive and reactive. You know, how are you using your voice as a black person? And like I said, it's time to speak up. And I know it's hard for certain people because everyone's different, has different personalities. Um, A lot of people don't want to speak up or there's one time, sorry, going around, but someone mentioned me on Twitter and they were like, oh, I commend you for doing this, but I, I can't do it in my workplace. And he said that he was scared that they would hold a promotion from him. And I was like, see, that's not even that's a conversation. That's a reality, though. It is, 100%. And it was hard for me to even look at it because that shouldn't even be a thought for us. Imagine a white person thinking, well, if I speak out something I feel was wrong in the workplace, I'm not going to get, like, that's never going to happen to you. You know yeah. what I mean? They're not going to hold your promotion from you. But to speak, to not speak about something that's so strong and something that's so in our faces every day, it's like, it's a disservice. Yep. You know what I mean? And like I said, straight up, I'm like, people will lose business because of this. And it has to be addressed like every day. These conversations have to, and it has to start internally before it's externally. Like, you know what I mean? A lot of these companies have their executive teams and they're all usually white men. So how are you putting up a black square for something you don't understand? It doesn't make any sense. So that's where I think where I'm pushing in my workplace is we need to get people of color in these higher roles. Yeah. And I commend you for that. That was really good. Yeah. I think we had really different experiences because you were proactive your company as well as your response was very proactive like you felt they hadn't addressed it you said something it got back to them and then they they decided to have a conversation internally and you know it sounds like it went well Mm -hmm. whereas with the company i work for it was you do the pr move and people go that's funny you're low-key racist (laughs) 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 lol and and that's what happened right and then so now they're scrambling to then say face Mm -hmm. and so now no matter what they do and i'm i've you know and i had a conversation afterwards you know they reached out to all the black partners but even for me as much as you know it's not i it wasn't a racist environment in that sense you know i Mm -hmm. wouldn't still be working there but as much as i'm rooting for them i'm just like damn like this looks bad like no matter what you do at this point it's like you have hundreds of comments of people retelling the same story of feeling like they were, uh, you know, if they were black, there was a glass ceiling to how far they could go up in uh, management positions or um, 
you know, being told that they didn't look professional because of how they wore their hair myself. That's a Mm -hmm. comment that I received. And so you have all these comments and then it when you're reacting afterwards to be like, oh, you know, we've heard you. This is a learning curve for us. It looks bad because it's like there's no way you didn't know this was happening. Exactly. And so they failed to realize that they could have addressed this in a humble way by coming forward and saying, you know, we realize that systemic racism is part, you know, has infiltrated our policies. And as a result, we have black partners that don't feel comfortable or that have quit, whatever, whatever, high turnover amongst that population. But, you know, and then now it's just like, okay, like, cool. You reached out to us. I gave I gave them like after you wrote what you what you um, said, like on your Instagram. Mm -hmm. And then you talked about having a phone call with uh, your management and then your president, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like when my because at first when the manager reached out to us, it was kind of like this is so fake like you're just trying to save face or whatever the manager reached out to you saying that no no i felt that way once, oh yeah yeah for he sure reached out to us right in in like after the backlash then it was like oh, okay now you want to hear how we feel about yeah. it like okay like you didn't know exactly really yeah but then i almost wanted to be like okay f it which is i realize what most black professionals deal with every day like there's a certain level of racism that we agreed to and for me i agreed to the little comments of like oh you look uh very on brand today when i had my hair straight or or like in a bun or something like that Mm -hmm. and i decided that that was okay for me because i knew it could be worse other other places i may not even just get hired because i'm black Right. right and so when he had that conversation with me i'm like as nice as this is it almost feels like you really didn't know right and and then it also feels annoying because it's like why am i having it's, I saw this tweet that said black people are having to keep work and then also teach people about racism. That's another full time job. Literally. Like, why literally. am I having to take this on? Why am I having to tell you a big, you know, Fortune 500 company that you dropped the ball and that you could have gone about it this way, that you need more people, black people, not just people of color, because the comments I received were from women of color, but not black people. Mm-hmm. You need more black people, black women that can help with your branding, help with your uh, um, diversity and inclusion team, help with every every aspect of the company should have not just diversity of thought, but actual diversity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so it was just annoying. And I think going forward, they're going to definitely feel the heat from that. I think a lot of people are not going to go back. I think a lot of employees might not go back as employees. Oh, really? Oh, for sure. That's even like with... I wouldn't go back. That's all these other companies view. doing all this like PR, like, oh, mm-hmm. we're sorry that we missed the ball with the Black Tuesday thing. Like, but now we're donating a million dollars. It's like, F you, fuck literally, you, dog. Literally, literally. <laughs> like, yeah. what? And I would say um, the company I worked for, it was, they were like, the like my direct team was very receptive. I've heard different things from different teams. Um, my team was very receptive and we really pushed to make sure that we were publicly speaking out on the matter we did yeah we were definitely more proactive than reactive we obviously did get some negative feedback as always there'll be right. that one karen you know all lives matter blacks <laughs> are complaining and we were just like all right you know you know remove them from the comments or remove them from whatever um but i really i was glad that they really stuck to there's definitely work that has to be done you know yeah. it was a bumpy i'm not gonna act like it was like yeah you know i came into work on monday and all they were just so great and like <laughs> it was posted and it was great no it was definitely a lot of up and down and hard work we had to put into it before things were done and a lot of 
push that needed to happen, especially with our leadership team. But I'm glad it was received as it was at the end of the day, because that was a, it was a first step. It wasn't yeah. the only step. And it was just just slightly tilting the needle to the right direction. I'm not going to say it was a complete. Right. We have so much more work to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think these companies are willing to concede some aspects of their what their business was before in order to, you know, keep our dollar. But we're not looking for concessional changes. We need transformative changes. So mm -hmm. I'm keeping an eye out. Like, I don't care if you give a million dollars to BLM or whatever. Mm -hmm. I want to see how you're transforming your entire operations from the, from the inside. Like, there's no reason why um, your creative team for a platform that celebrates black culture is a bunch of white people. Like, right. Please. Please. Literally. And, and then also the second part of it is like, I almost feel like I got to hold myself accountable because like I kind of know this right to a degree like we kind of know this and we still shop there up until mm, now yeah. or like consumed whatever we consumed like I, I never bought off white thank God <laughs> oh, Virgil and his right Virgil ass gotta keep it two Virgils bro <laughs> literally two Virgies Virgies <laughs> thank you for that word though <laughs> yeah no that man was so disappointed I don't yeah I've, I've never bought anything off white yeah but so. like we know this now so then it's like uh, we've been knowing it but okay now I'm gonna give us like the last line like as of June 2020 like y'all niggas better not be going back there and yeah. supporting all these people that I've showed their ass, ass literally yeah yeah do not if I catch you at any Toronto <laughs> nightclub I oh, promise I'm you the... it's on site <laughs> yeah. uh, the Toronto I honestly can't even put it into words. I didn't want to get into this because I, yeah, I feel that, like it that feels a little like arbitrary. A episode. But like, because I, oh, I, ah, get them the fuck out of here. Like, out. literally get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Like, you have the nerve to exploit the fuck out of black. You have, I'll say his name, Scotty Scratches trash ass on the fucking sticks, butchering dance hall, butchering trap music. To a fucking white crowd and you have white people or black people outside dressed up and can't get in only man that plays rum and red bull for three minutes and 47 seconds. like how are you playing the entire <laughs> rum and red bull song you uncult what and it stresses me out because i know so many other better djs shout out geo geo <laughs> dh phenomenal dahlia da yeah dj rose gold just so many better djs who don't like can't get in there i wouldn't say can't get but like you know like residencies like why don't we see these djs in these clubs right. every single saturday you know because they don't want to bring the black people in that is the problem they want to play the black music and have the black celebrities in but god forbid zoe walks in and right. wants to get in the fucking booth <laughs> right because i'm gonna what what am i gonna do in this i don't know what i need to do. know what i'm gonna do <laughs> No, it's actually crazy <laughs> to let people like it's crazy because when I think no, about let's unpack it. Let's, we have let's, some time. Let's, let's speak on it. it. <laughs> There's a lot. I think it's two sides of the coin. I also blame myself and other black people. Oh, I definitely we've blame known myself. Th these racist practices. But the thing is, there isn't that many spaces for us. There yeah. are so many hoops to jump through. If you are in the entertainment industry and you even want to open a club, if you're black, I know one black club owner uh, of Laporte or a partial Laporte, is that even around anymore it, no exactly exactly hmm. but super nice guy but even from what i hear it wasn't easy to get into that and it's easy to retain also right and that's another reason why black and people of color aren't interchangeable because a lot of these club owners are you know arabic or whatever like they're not necessarily all white guys 
but or even should we talk about mickey that i think that nigga's west indian and he's acting crazy <laughs> in these streets <laughs> crazy i i think I, yeah you're right i think he's definitely he's not white he's, he's de- i think he's definitely white. west indian or some type of i know mickey's yeah. not his real name either what's her real <laughs> not name god damn it he's just like yeah he's def i just like I don't understand because black people have money too. You know what I mean? Black people spend the money in the club. You they know spend the I mean? most money in the club. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And we, it's like terrible. I genuinely don't understand. And whoever that girl was, I don't remember her name, that the old promoter at Lost and Found who was like, well, you know, you have to understand. Um, Christina? No. <laughs> her, who, was it her? I think so. Christina Asian? Christina? Christina? <laughs> I'll find your real name. <laughs> Dropping names, but. Anyways, um, she's a public person. Like that's her her job is in her page, right? So right. You're owning up to to your thing. My job's not in my page, so good luck with that. Yeah, my job's <laughs> not in my page. Either. I keep my that's one thing about me. I keep my job very separate from my personal life. I'm not saying I'm worried about anything, but that's just how I am. But um, yeah, it's just like to say like, oh, you know, we don't want to draw in that crowd. We don't want any problems. You know, white people cause problems too. Like, yes. what are you even talking about? Have you ever seen, like, you ever seen the a World w- Cup? Thank you. <laughs> a hockey game? <laughs> yes. Have you ever seen, like, walk down King Street at, like, four people? There are white people, like, fighting each other. Like, there's bar, bar fights happen a lot of time between white people. So I'm like, I don't understand what you're scared of when you say you don't want problems, which is why you don't let black people in. I genuinely don't understand. Right. And the thing is, they can't get away with saying oh, I didn't know this was happening because I know people that work in the industry, uh, bottle service girls, photographers that are like, oh, I'm told not to take pictures of uh, black women. You know, sometimes you can take pictures of black guys because they look like rappers, right? Yeah, exactly. And then I know bottle service girls that uh, will tell me that um, they might put, like they might set up the black spender that's not anyone that's known they might give him a table that's not necessarily what he should be getting for what they're spending right mm-hmm. um also you have the problem at the door and the thing is these people like that's the worst when you're at the door and the bouncer's acting a fool and you're like you're black t- the fuck <laughs> <laughs> yo there's only one bouncer on one black bouncer you know what i'm talking about yeah, he used to work we in ballet we lo- he was the only bouncer who would see us and be like yeah yeah we're letting them all in them and all their friends and there'll be white girls in line and he'll see we'll walk up in like slides yep. hoodies like definitely not ready for the club he'd be like no we let them in they're regulars they're good here they're good with me let them in and he's the only black bouncer or black bouncer who used to treat us the way they treat white girls used to come regularly you know what right. i mean and it's crazy that him out of all the bouncers in toronto and i hope he knows if he ever hears i'm talking about him um out of all the bouncers in toronto he was the only one who treated us just like regular good-looking women coming to the club right and that's the problem it's like if i'm coming to spend in any other customer service field if i'm coming to spend money i get treated as somebody that matters exactly for the interaction at least afterwards you can talk all the shit you want Mm -hmm. but it's crazy because we're in these clubs where it seems like they're catering to us by the music they play and like the themes and whatever and they're playing on to like black culture twitter trends or whatever yeah and then as soon as I get there, I have my hard-earned dollars. Not me. I don't spend money in the club. But, you know, like, <laughs> I'm with somebody that has their money. <laughs> we'll, we'll find somebody in the club who's going who's gonna right, to right, spend right, for right. us. Thank you. That's how it works. Small old cabin. But anyways, we show up. And I, this is the only spot I've ever been in. And I'm treated like shit. I'm like, bro, what? <laughs> Are you going to disrespect me? <laughs> and we have bottles. <laughs> yeah, literally. 
Like, we have bottles, and you guys are still being complete assholes. Like, I don't get it. Yeah. And then the bigger problem, too, is, honestly, I think the bigger problem are these black promoters. I'm going to call you out. You know that they're having these practices. Mm -hmm. You you yourself might bring all these little white girls from Richmond Hill uh, (laughs) that are barely of age got them on the party bus literally hopping off in front of fucking lots <laughs> you ever seen that where they no. hop off the party bus what that might have been a long time ago but it's like an actual school bus and it takes them they have pickup stops in like our hill or like woodbridge what yes anyway that's a privilege i never they get off, drive my get ass off on the corner of like bathurst and then these promoters will be like do you guys want to come here and then they'll they'll go right mm-hmm. but i my bigger problem is with these black promoters that you know you're in there because you fit the look, cool, whatever. Yeah. Um, but you know you're being told to only bring in a certain crowd, and you mm-hmm. do it. And on top of that, you go out of your way to disrespect the black women that still decide to, to come. Mm-hmm. Um, and then beyond that, you still turn around when you decide to become uh, a model, when you decide to launch a clothing <laughs> company, when you decide to launch your own website. Who do you turn to to and buy your products? And they want our fucking dollar after that. It's definitely not those white girls from Richmond Hill. I promise you that. <laughs> They're not buying your fucking t-shirt. They really want us to. And you have the nerve to drop your fucking SoundCloud links in right. my DMs after you refuse to pour me a drink in the club. Now you want to rap. Right. Now you want me to post your sh- Fuck out of here. Right. You'll post your video. You want me to repost your video where you only had the white girls in it. Right. They don't listen to your music. First of all. <laughs> and then, but you want me to repost it. Right. So it's just vi- this vicious cycle of yourself hating or whatever. Or maybe you're just doing it to, to take the money. But then you still realize you get reminded like I'm a black man. So yeah, I what, need to turn thing, back. At the end of the day, you're still a nigga, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That has to be, the, has to be the, the title of this episode. At the end of the day, you're, you're still, still up. <laughs> but and, no fact. Yeah, and the thing is, it's crazy that it's, you know it. Like, you see it. And the crazy thing is, these promoters outside of this club environment, like the black promoters, I've met black promoters that they they tell me, like, what it is. Like, yeah, I am told to do this, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. I'm their friend, so I've never, like, if I go out with my homie that's a promoter, like, I never have problems but that might not be the case for another random black girl. And like, it's not fair right. that, um, you know, I get to kick it with him cause I'm his friend. And, but he knows he's working for an institution. That's like, I, ah, okay. You've met your quota of black girls. Relax. Yeah. Get it. <laughs> <laughs> at the door. Like, don't let her in Josh. Right. Josh, there's enough. <laughs> cut it out. <laughs> cut it out. Literally cut it out. And the turn thing her is, away. Who Josh. are you playing this music for? That's another thing. Like go back to back. Remember when they have like government and they play like EDM and all that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like house music. Mm-hmm. Go back to that and see how you're, how much your club sells out. And then let well, us have our I've own been, shit. Yeah. The amount of times <laughs> I've been to government, they had like that one room which is like the hip-hop room right. that room would always be turned to shit At always when i went i don't know what regular but that's when like I rebel went, that the, oh i hate the purple i hate room that place the, but oh. purple room is the only place that has people that's true or that weird like middle spot where everyone's just like humping each other and sweating i'm like i hate rebel i don't go there i know but yeah you're right the only rooms that pop are because that's that's what the music is for right and they're made by black people so it's like why would you not want black people in the club I just don't. I don't. And not no one's saying they you know like don't let in anybody else. But it's like, come on, don't like, be. For you. I don't. You don't even have to let in every black person. You know. Yeah. If you have a dress code, uphold the dress code. 100%. Make sure you uphold it equally, though. Mm-hmm. Like the what was that tweet? Like they don't let they air, don't forces air forces, in, but they'll let vans. vans. My nigga, you know how you know how clean air forces are. Do you know how clean air you forces are? You won't let are? a black man in with the 
fresh out the box. No crease. Air Force Ones, no crease. Just put them on in the car. You won't let him in, but you will let Jeff or Jacob or Jake or whatever in with the he just skateboarded here right because he got called last minute he lives on <laughs> king street brought his skateboards and leave it at the door in his dirty ass vans but he's allowed to come in in his flannel open with a right. black t-shirt if you're gonna I have like a dress I feel code like i just described someone so personal so so specific <laughs> lives on augusta <laughs> no <laughs> yeah um no but th- that's the thing like if you're gonna have your dress code have it across the board you're gonna have your minimum spend whatever whatever just don't discriminate literally racially yeah. <laughs> that's no, all we're all. saying like let every, the people that need to come in let them in i feel like and, and they tell you to come early and girls will be black girls will be there early and still you're not letting i'm not showing up early bro no i'm not showing up for what am i bro? clocking in to go to the club exactly Six are you paying shifts? me why the hell am i coming here at 11 <laughs> and are you out of your mind you, for paid to party there's less black paid to party girls by the way i feel like there's not like there's there's are one. there full skin that i know exactly i think are there any full black paid to party girls because I don't, I don't think so i don't think so no hmm so that's yeah honestly the toronto scene but now that we know i mean we've been knowing this yeah but and I, yeah i'll definitely these... admit i was i don't say i was blind to it but there's a point where i was like you know i still I you just accept it out. you get to a yeah, point where yeah. you're like i can go out yeah i've never had problems because i'm exactly. going out with my homie or whatever yeah but then it's annoying and when you do run into that problem or when you know somebody else is running into that problem or right. when you see a homegirl and you're like oh yeah come in and they're like ah no yeah <laughs> yeah, like, yeah wait what or they'd be like oh not her and i'm like wait excuse me she then you what? realize you're the token yeah exactly you're oh i'm the token black yeah. girl damn and i'd like the reason i used to, one thing i admit, I used to go to lost and found all the damn time every monday i was, right I was there in with the you. line hello hi they know and the thing is we used to work with the bouncer at lost and found at the time so his part-time job was bouncer and his daytime job was the job i used to work at and he'd be like yeah you know come in i'll get you in a problem that was my in you know what i mean because i knew him outside of his bouncer job right so but like i said that was just me but like there will still be other and i remember one time i tried to get like i just because like i saw them outside it was cold i tried to get two other black girls in and they were just like nope and I was like, bro, like, I know them. They're like, nope. And I was like, okay, that's how I understand now. Like, this, like, that's, that's it. You either have to know someone or you have to be, like, super in in some way. But if you just want, hey, I'm a black girl. I'm in for the night. I want to go to, I heard this club is lit. They're not letting you in. No. So fuck out of here. So now that we know this, I mean, we've been doing this, but now that we've had these explosive conversations about it, called people out. Yeah, uh, you such could as Zoe. So me, you what were dropping you? names. Oh, in this episode? <laughs> the only reason why I dropped her name. Both of you were dropping names. <laughs> that was lit. I mean, whatever, right? Like, you made your bed to lay in it. I mm-hmm. really don't care. But, like, now that we've had these explosive conversations, I really better not see no niggas in line at Lost and Found. I promise you. I mean, I know there's always going to be, you know, some Uncle that Tom's one. out there. The guy who perms his hair and swoops it to the left. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what it is? It's always the unsuspecting, like, random, like, rich Nigerian guy that's, like, not from here. And he's like, yo, we're about, about to spend my money. And it's like, no one told him, like, don't yeah, go yeah, there. Yeah, 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 you're right, you're right, you're right. They won't treat you well. Do yeah. not go there. Yeah. And then they learn the lesson the hard way. But, mm-hmm. like, now that we know Torontonians, we live here, we've had these conversations, like, we just hold ourselves accountable. And it, it's a great time. Like, this is a gap in the market. We, black people, love going out. We love the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. Everything has to do with it. What's missing is a safe space for us. And there's some places, Scenes Group, Caruza, whatever. Like, there's places. Yeah, but and, like, um, there's no club. Like, Sunsets. I love Sunset Sundays. Like that party at Anko. I know you, you've come with me a few times. Yeah, yeah. Like that, I feel like that is a safe space where I can, it, but I feel like they're outgrowing how or big like that party is. Or like we love R&B. We oh, love, love that party. Love yeah. those. But those are, 
why are we just timestamps, right? Right. Once, yeah. Like, exactly. The one, the first Friday of the month, y'all niggas can come out. It's like, no, we need our club, you know, yeah. like we need our own space and y'all can keep it pushing over there. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to include us, we'll just have to create our, our own thing. Yeah. And, and I'm right. down for that. Every good black party is like, yeah, like, you know, every, every last Saturday <laughs> yeah. or every, every three months when we find a space we can afford, <laughs> it's like, no, we need a consistent space where we can go and be safe and enjoy ourselves. Like it's, yeah. just, it's not that hard, but it's also hard because I know people who've tried to do it, but they re- Oh my God, sorry. My lashes. They'll reject the permits. They re- exactly. They reject the permits. You know, the cost of the space is sky high way more than they can. You're staring at my lashes. Okay. I have an idea. <laughs> if you truly believe you're an ally, this is the time I want to open up this black club. You got all these black people that want to do it, but we need a, mm-hmm. we need a white name. <laughs> We need a white deed. name and a white face. <laughs> we need a white name and a white face on the deed. So if you got good credit and a steady job <laughs> and you, you actually care about black people, then we need you to be like our shadow owner, you know? Yeah, <laughs> for no, the, for I the agree. Spot. Or like if you're a lawyer and you're familiar with this type of work, like let's let's figure it out. Yeah. Make it happen. Yeah. So moral of the story is cancel these clubs. Cancel. EFS, lost and found. What's Lavelle, Lavelle. I, is Lavelle? I've never had bad experiences, yeah. but I and they've gotten better. But I've definitely heard that they have like a uh, their dress code policy is made to exclude black people. So it'll, okay. be, it'll be like very specific black things. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I know who you're targeting at yeah. this point. We'll keep Lavelle on the maybe list, but Lost and Found EFS has got to go. Got to go. Got Honestly, to go. I don't know. It'd be easier to name the safe ones, and the only one is Figures. But I mean, they are smart to partner up with a black person right yeah you're right uh, and they even had a whole rebranding because figures have been around for years but we only i mean we only started going in 2018 2017 mm-hmm. and that even then it wasn't really popping and so i think they were smart to reach out to somebody black in the industry mm-hmm. and and look at what's happened for their company yeah. so that's proof that it works and so if we can only name figures damn <laughs> and all the ones that i can't name clothes like ballet used to be ours people used to hate ballet but ballet used to be i love spot. ballet I used to love ballet. Fuck I thought there was a good condo am- developer that right. There was a good it. amount of black people in there. The music was pretty good. It was a small space, but I used to love going to ballet. I always had a pretty solid time at ballet. And they always used to always get the four a.m. permits. Always, always get the four a.m. permits. Every day of the week, yeah. it's allowed. And like I said, it was one place where I could go and I could feel comfortable and I could feel welcomed, no matter who the promoters were, what the promoters were wearing, or I could, they would welcome me in the booth. I mean, you don't have to do the whole, like, walk past, make yeah. eye contact, like, you know, they'd be like, oh, yeah, you come in, come in, you know, you want to drink? Like, they were so welcoming, so, um, R.I.P. Ballet, you will be missed. You will, pouring one out literally right now for you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, no, this was good. I don't know. We, should we touch on anything else? Do we miss I anything? Feel like we, I feel like we touched on everything. Yeah, I think so. Like, literally everything. It's a lot to speak on, on being black, but, like, you know, there's only so much we can talk about. Yeah, you're right, but... I'm really Anyone else podcast. you want to call out? <laughs> I feel like I should save that. I don't, no one at, at this moment that comes to my head, I feel like I need to call out or shout out for anything they've been doing, just besides, like, the family meeting being so good, and hopefully we stick to it. Yeah. Yeah. But. I think there's some... Uh, good black spaces in toronto that i want to shout out yeah if go i for may it. so african basket which is an organization that's been around since uh the 90s my mom told me about it actually but basically it's like a 
Uh, they address food insecurity, nutrition and access for African, Caribbean and black communities in the GTA. So they basically have like fresh produce that are made available to uh, these populations. So that's really, really good. And then there's also black, which stands for let me make sure I got the the right uh, acronym here. So the Black Legal Action Center. It's a nonprofit that provides free legal service to black low-income families in Ontario. These are the places I personally have contributed to recently because, you know, the black community in Toronto is the closest one to me, right? So mm-hmm. I, that's who I, I see every day, interact with, and that's who I want to uplift. And then that's also the organizations I sent out to my employers telling them yeah. if you really are about it, then here you go, step up. Like, this is where you can contribute and this is where you can make uh, a change and the good thing is if you are a nine to five or work for a corporate company most places will match any donations as long as it's with a registered um, organization so anything i've donated my my company has matched so oh really yeah oh that's good um or s- to a certain degree mine's 100 percent, but some places match like 50 percent, whatever mm-hmm. but so i think most places is like that you really have to ask about that in your workplace but i encourage people to, to do that research and and if you don't have a lot of money make sure your boss pays for it <laughs> yeah and i think um another one i think is also in toronto correct me if i'm wrong was is the black health alliance they're another big one too i don't know if you've heard of that one they're no i have a big one um that's a really good to donate to for sure research yeah because uh, i'm pretty sure they're definitely if not toronto they're definitely in canada yeah yeah everyone knows like black people especially black women are ignored often in the in the medical industry mm-hmm. leads to a lot of deaths or yeah. or, you know, or even just like mental health in general another huge thing that's another huge topic we'll we'll, we'll definitely save that one <laughs> save no, that we one definitely <laughs> unpack that one in another episode for like sure three whole season on it <laughs> <laughs> whole season on black mental health no yeah this is good thank this you for having good. me thank you for coming yes you'll be here more often pleasure yes if the people want me you know <laughs> we'll test it out <laughs> see see the reviews i might not be back here after this. we never know. Be like damn she's going as hell the fuck <laughs> or christina will literally <laughs> About to you can literally me. not yeah they're gonna boycott you you can literally they can even they could even change their whole trust aspect. me i will never step foot in a club that mr wolf like i, I can I've never been to, honestly i've never been to i stopped either. going out at one point because i never like mr wolf is another one called what's the other one wow goldie never been to that one i've been to that one i don't think i have but uh yeah no i i'm not i don't intend on going to these places i'm really serious about finding the space for black people no, that's I safe in the entertainment industry that uh, caters to us and like if anyone's in that world i would love to connect with them on that but um but we're fun yeah. like we want to have a good time we're literally so we, entertaining yes. dog so entertaining like <laughs> the best like i don't get it name me a song that doesn't have any black influence that's good no there is one even country songs countries made by by black people rock made by black people so mm-hmm. every Beatles song was stolen off of black artists so please <laughs> Please tell me. <laughs> yeah, oh god. I mean, no, Shaking I love I love my stuff too. Like, you know, yeah, I love my uh, yeah. I love my Fallout Boys. I love my uh, Queen, but like still, they're inf- Pete Wentz by the way oh, is half Queen. black. Did you know that? Pete, the guy from Fallout Boy, <laughs> yeah. the lead singer? <laughs> yeah, he burst his hair. I promise you. He's not half black. Google it. <laughs> Fact check that right now. Yeah, I'll get out of here. Pete Wentz? With the bang? <laughs> With the bang, bro. He burps his hair. Clyde, are you checking that? Because there's no... <laughs> no. Pete Wentz 
it's half black movie. I, I don't think you're. Are you, are you, are you, are you understanding what half, or maybe like a quarter? Because like, his mom like half. What? No, I, he has a black parent for sure. I don't know he how. Is? She's right. <laughs> I am right. Hey, welcome to the club, hey, Pete. Welcome to the party. Welcome. I know he gets a perm. Oh, he has to get a perm <laughs> or a serious silk press. Because I've never seen that hair is like okay. Yeah, I know. But he's, um, he's a black man. Yeah, no, you're <laughs> right, man. The, the thing is, what I'll say is like. He's half Jamaican. He oh, even Jamaican. Bumba, he's one of you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a whole Jamaican man. He's half, Jamaican. half Jamaican. Still Jamaican, though. Jamaican blood runs through his veins. Yep. What? No wonder he has rhythm. <laughs> 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 it explains why he's. Yo, so... we will end that right there. <laughs> Before we get Marie's Jamaican accent. I promise you guys you don't want to hear. We will end that. Right oh, his name is Kingston, bro. That his name is not Kingston. Scroll up, Peter Lewis Kingston. Oh yeah, he's the third. <laughs> That's the most Jamaican name ever. Peter Lewis Kingston. Oh wow! Welcome to the cookout, Pete Wentz. Woo! Was born in Illinois. Oh wait. Oh my! And his father's side. Okay. Okay. Well, that was that was a good fact check. <laughs> There you go. Fallout Boy is black. Fallout Boy is black. People are gonna lose their minds. Maybe that's the title. <laughs> Fallout Boy is black. <laughs> yeah, no, look at this picture right here. Like he does not look But that does look like Yaki. Like it's <laughs> <laughs> like his hair is coarse. <laughs> yaki hair texture, you dumb get out of here. Just the Yaki brand. Get away. <laughs> that doesn't look like like pin straight, you know? Like it yeah, looks, it looks, a little Well, that's like, right. yeah, no, she, he's, he's. Wow. Yeah, he is what the he is. The things we learn every day. Anyways, the point is to end off the note we are everywhere. Our influence is everywhere. Yeah. They fear us because they love us, man. That's really what it is. Yeah. And they want to be just like us. Right. But we're not about to kill them with kindness. We're literally about to get it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone can get it. Anyone can get it. And that's it. Wow ending episode one do we have one of those things that you could so yeah this was great this has been the relentless diaries hosted by yours truly zoe smith um featuring episode one with marie and yeah i hope you guys liked it tune in share reach out to me i answer my messages i promise i love to hear the feedback so yeah that's it peace out Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.